Hello, JRPG fanatics, and welcome to the Sunday special. This is going to be the episode 7 of the JRPG Report special series. We do this, at least we try to do this every week, and we're doing a little something different again this week. Previously, we've done soundtracks, and we've done some interviews, and even a spoiler cast, and today is going to be interviews. Now, I've got three lined up for today and we'll kind of just see how far we get into it if it starts going a bit long and my well if my voice starts uh, petering out <laughs> we'll call it a day however as final fantasy 7 remake is looming large the demo is out and we've gotten a couple interviews that have popped up as uh not only um, Japanese media and gaming media, but all, this game is crossing some boundaries into pop culture. You're seeing tons of promotions going on, merchandise. It is truly going to be a huge game. And so let's just talk some fun stuff. And the first one I want to get into, um, and this may take a little while to do as I haven't seen a transcript for this interview yet most of the times you, you know you'll see a video or it's uh, you know from a magazine so there's a obvious transcript this is a video and i've linked it on our facebook page i encourage you to actually watch this as it does have some uh production value to it it's pretty humorous um i kind of teased this in episode 102 that this is between Final Fantasy Remake producer Yoshinori Kastai. Kastase? I still can't. I'm terrible at Japanese names. You have to forgive me. Um, and a Japanese professional wrestler named Kenny Omega, who is the quintessential uh, spokesman <laughs> and uh, quite humorous, but he seems to be a pretty big fan himself, at least I can gather from the interview. And so... Basically, I've got to watch this with you guys, and I will read this along and do my best. So let's get into that. I've got another um, kind of shorter version remake from uh, the PlayStation blog interview with producer and uh, and co-director Naiko Hamaguchi. And if we get to it... Um, there's some tidbits I like to go over between uh, Desu and Normara and his uh, thoughts on it as well. This was a that interview was with Famitsu and Four Gamer. So first, let's go into the YouTube video and the first question after some uh, <laughs> grandiose introductions was uh, Omega asked Kasai if his favorite character was Cloud. And I thought his answer was uh, perfect. That um, he says, uh, when it comes to characters, the game I'm working on at the time becomes my favorite. That's a very good answer, I feel like. Um, he elaborated a little bit more on that. When I was making Final Fantasy X, uh, Titus and Yuna were my favorites. When I was working on Thirteen, I really liked Lightning. Um when it comes to Cloud, though, there are lots of Final Fantasy VII projects, so he keeps coming back. Um, 
right now working on Final Seven Remake, I see Cloud a lot again. I feel very close to Cloud, so yes, Cloud is my favorite. He asked, does it have anything to do with his appearance or perhaps his weapon? Uh, he says, yes, his appearance and, of course, the iconic buster sword he carries. In the original Final Fantasy VII, Cloud carried the buster sword. Due to limitations of the hardware at the time, Cloud couldn't carry it on the field. Uh, with the remake, he is always carrying his buster sword, making him an even cooler than before. And Omega says that his favorite character is actually Zack. And he says he can hope that that they can find out more about Zack in the remake. That that there are lots of Zack fans. He feels. He says really. He says I've also I've always found that when I say Zack, people ask ask him why. That's Omega asking why. He said, "Are you a Crisis Core fan?" And he says, "Of course I am." Easily his favorite PS4 game is Crisis Core. Because says, "Thank you." He says, uh, so you were behind Crisis Core as well. He says, thank you. Thank you very much. So, yeah, I, I figured this Kenny Omega guy was definitely a fan of the series. He knows his stuff. Um, and uh, perhaps the perfect person uh, to interview. As the, and his Japanese is, is awesome as well. He asks, what are the limitations of the PlayStation 4? He says, there weren't so so much as features or content that we couldn't put in. There was more limitations, like how I mentioned, Cloud couldn't have the Buster Sword. Okay, this is actually limitations of PlayStation 1. He says, the amount of polygons we could use for the characters was so small. Because of this, the character models on the field and battle and in cutscenes were all different. All different amounts of polygons. He says, that's especially true in Final Fantasy VIII. He said, in seven only 100 polygons to use while on the field. Wow, that's not a lot. Nowadays, we have millions of polygons to work with, but back then we had just 100. That's amazing to think about. On the field, Cloud was like a doll with only four body segments. In the movie scenes, he had seven body segments. He said, I always wish that we could have made all the character models the same. He says that has always stuck with him. He said, what did... uh..." He's asking... How he became the director. When Final Fantasy 77 began as a project, the creator of Final Fantasy, Hironobu Sakaguchi, Sakaguchi, I'm sorry, Sakaguchi-san wanted the story to have a theme of the life cycle. He says, for example, stars die to create new stars. This life cycle was important to him. That was firmly the theme that Sakaguchi-san wanted to run with. So when I was given the task of directing Final Fantasy 7, I knew I wanted to keep and work with the plot of the life cycle. I wanted to keep that main theme going and portray that through the game. So you, he asked, so when you move forward into Final Fantasy VIII and X, did the progress, did the process get easier or did you face the same hardships? And, uh, he says, I had a lot of hardships, but the experience of directing seven really helped me. The experience I gained Definitely made the process easier for me. And Kenny asks, is this something I don't know about how hard it is when it comes to the hardware changes? 7 and 8 were on the PlayStation and 10 was on PS2. How was that, he asks. The answer is always a tough task when the hardware changes. Using the know-how from Final Fantasy 7, we knew how long it would take to make a game. 
When the hardware changed, we didn't know how long it would take or what hardships we would face. That's kind of a, a simple answer to a complex question. He asks, what are your greatest memories? His, he says, I'm not sure I have three. That's okay. He's, he's, he says even one is okay. And he says, there are two that come to mind. When I was working on Chrono Trigger, it was known as a dream project. Stat dream was, of course, Taguchi-san and Dragon Quest Yuri Horisan. And, of course, Akira Toriyama. The project began with these three amazing people. And, of course, I'd worked with Sakaguchi-san, but I'd never worked with Horisan or Toriyama-san, so that was something that has stuck with me. This is something unprepared, but I wanted to ask you about your worst memories as well. And he kind of laughs his worst memories. Is this a hardships or trouble? Is this, I'm looking to get something a bit different and interesting for the interview. And so he answers, this isn't so much as a worst. He said, I want to talk about the best memory. <laughs> he said, it's the best, but it's also the hardest. This is going back to when we were mastering the final copy of Final Fantasy VII. The restate was January of 1997. So while working long nights and pulling overnight shifts to finish the game, my wife was pregnant with our first child. It was a race to see if the game would be finished first or if my son would be born first. If the game were to get delayed, I would not be able to be in the delivery room. He said that I did my best to finish the game. The week after the game was finished, and he says just a week after, yeah. So thankfully I was able to be in the delivery room, and so my son and Final Fantasy VII share a birth year. <laughs> so when my son turns 22, I'll know it's the 22nd anniversary of Final Fantasy VII. Kenny says, if you told a story that was your hardest, it was your best memory. It was down to which would come first. Kenny asks, who was the greatest JRPG villain of all time? He says, if we included Final Fantasy, it has to be Sephiroth. He says, I've been working on the series since 5. The scenario for 5 and 6 were created by Sakaguchi-san. Final Fantasy VII was the first time I could control the scenario and create a villain. It's for this reason I chose Sephiroth, and I believe it is in him we have created a truly legendary villain. If we look past Sephiroth, many people choose Kefka. This was Kenny talking, and uh, he laughs as he, uh, he says he's very popular in America, but how is his popularity in Japan? As I answer, if we include him, uh, Sephiroth is still, I think, the favorite in in Japan, people who like something a bit different tend to go for Kefka. And Kenny compares Kefka to uh, the Joker, which is a reasonable comparison. He says, while making the game, Kefka's character escalated, and we ended up with something very different that wasn't the original design that they were going for, he says. That's very interesting. He asks, what are the Shinra origins? He says, of course, the word is Japanese. Final Fantasy VII is a sci-fi style world. They say cyberpunk, yeah. Despite being a cyberpunk world style, it's still a Final Fantasy game, so we needed fantasy. We didn't want to drop the fantasy elements of the game and go full sci-fi slash cyberpunk. He says, Senwa, the meaning story of gods, is part of a fantasy, and we wanted to keep the fantasy elements. We took the word Shenwa, and we grew it from there. And the antagonist company in Final Fantasy, we decided, would take the word Shenwa and slightly change it. We thought Shin came from the word new, so Shinra was new Ra. 
So Shinra means that they are becoming like the gods. Yes, yes, Shinra was about becoming god and controlling everything. Thus the name Shinra came from Shinwa. That does certainly fit in with the, the theme of Seven, using the, the planet and draining its resources, creating life, becoming like a god. It's a very interesting parallel that they come up with that. He says, what are the origins of Sephiroth? He was born character designer, Normara, scenario writer, Najami. The three of us discussed the character, and then the final design was done by Nomura-san. As a, I don't think there is any model inspiration directly for the character in Nomura-san's mind. My role was not so much creation, but how to use him in the world of Final Fantasy VII. I wanted Sephiroth not to be so much of a physical villain, more of an unknown threat that people only heard rumors about. Not many people have seen him, but the fear could be felt from the rumors of his existence. I drew a lot of inspiration from the movie Jaws. It was a shark movie, but you never saw the shark until long into the movie. Rather than seeing the threat, knowing and hearing of the threat was appealing to me, and I drew from this. Sebroth is not present in the beginning of the game, but you hear his rumors and fear him. Why did you choose to go with a gun... It was not a gun, but not magic. A long sword. He says the counter clouds thick and heavy buster sword. That's why they went with that. Of course, the legendary Mazamine blade. So that's an interesting um, idea that because of the long and thin blade of the Mazamine, that's why they... Uh, I think they had Cloud's Buster Sword first, and then they countered it with Sephiroth. That's very, very interesting. It does make an interesting dynamic. His next question is, what's your favorite music from Final Fantasy? He says, well, after talking about Sephiroth so much, I would say One-Winged Angel. <laughs> He's it, and he asked, uh, even without talking about it, he would agree. From the first moment, nobody... Yumamatsu brought this on to me. I was blown away. The fact that there was so much chorus in this song really blew him away. Until then, we could never create such a sound on the Super Nintendo. This is now that we were working on the PlayStation, we had we had more to work with. In addition of vocals on the track One Winged Angel, that blew me away, and stays with me today. He says, before the PlayStation, what song would it be? He has NES or SNES. And he... Uh, Perfect answer. He said he would have to be the opera scene for Final Fantasy VI with the 16-bit chorus. He says, yes, that's a... Kenny says that's a legendary scene from the opera house. The song really created the sound of singing despite being... He says he likes songs with a punch to them. And Kenny says he likes from Final Fantasy V, Clash on the Bridge. Yeah, he even says he likes the music from Mystic Quest. That's a bold statement. <laughs> So his next question I kind of teased about in the podcast as well. And he is asking um, about Parasite Eve. Um, that if there was a an unsung gem, so to speak, as Kenny calls it, and asking his thoughts about, about the game. He says, yes, it's true that for the third birthday that uh, I worked on the PSP version, the characters are very rich and deep, especially Ira Bray. I don't know of any plans right now, but it would be a waste not to use those characters. Horror games are very popular right now, and Parasite Eve had some RPG elements to it, Kenny says. 
It was very unique and very original. He said, so I think now would be a good time uh, perhaps to make another game. That had a very unique game style, and there are no games like it right now. <laughs> and Kadaze uh, <laughs> says, uh, you really know your know your stuff. I, yeah, I mean, this Kenny Omega guy is definitely a gamer and a uh, a Square SquareSoft Square Enix fan. That's uh, that's quite impressive, and I agree. Personally, one of my favorite games. I'd love to see them bring that one back and do it. The original. I didn't really care for part two as much, but the first one was one of my favorite PlayStation One games. All right, so that's going to wrap up the interview with uh, Kenny Omega, the Japanese professional wrestler, interviewing Final Fantasy VII Remake producer. Yoshinori Katase. And I know I pronounced his last name about four different ways during that interview. And I do apologize for that. But we learned some interesting things in that. And uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to it. All right, for our second piece of interviewing fun, this was the PlayStation blog published a new interview with Yoshinori Katase and co-director... Naoki Hamaguchi, who discussed the designs changes made in rebuilding the city of Midgar as seen in the opening movie. Here are the comments. Regarding the opening scene, which shows an area devoid of life surrounding the city, Katase said, We didn't want to go over the top with it, but there is very much but is very much the nuance that Midgar is damaging the surrounding area. Regarding whether the development team used Advent Children as a reference material for rebuilding Midgar. Hamaguchi says, we did refer to Advent Children and other previous series work when, when rebuilding Midgar. But one of the main things we actually set out to do was the scale of the city itself. The original wasn't that realistic if you consider the size of the individual buildings and how big they were in comparison to the overall city. It was quite condensed. We set out to make Midgar realistic. The size between buildings, the density, that's one of the things, the big things that we wanted to set out to change. They asked whether, regarding whether the development team was a fully designed topographical map, or that they have a fully designed <laughs> topographical map of Midgar. He says, we haven't done it to the same quality or same level of detail as the actual areas you do get to visit in the game, but we have mapped out the entire city and what's in each of those areas. They ask whether regarding Midgar's design is feasible in the real world. Hamaguchi says, you know the structure of Midgar. You had the big central pillar and each sector is supported by its own sub-pillar. We worked out the right size and construction, how big those pillars would need to be to be physically support the weight of the plate on top of them. Also, the honeycomb structure of the pillars and where the tunnels would have to go for or to still work as a physical structure. It's all been mapped out, and we understand quite a lot of the detail about the realities of how Bigar would be constructed as a city. And they ask regarding everyday life. Katase says, we really want to show the everyday lives of Bigar citizens. Partly to show how they lived in this massive city powered by Mako energy, how and when they'd be using it to tell that aspect of the story. The original version went straight into the bombing mission. We felt that 
we had we wanted that feeling that things were already underway that you were in the middle of the action yet if you immediately went into there the panic caused by the bombing mission afterwards you wouldn't understand the impact it had on the inhabitants everyday lives before that event interrupted them that's why we started with this kind of domestic kind of scene they asked regarding the ongoing construction of the city because as i said the idea that the city is being built from the center outwards you can also sense the different architectural styles as you go away from the central pillar the high rises on the city edge we put quite a bit of effort into making you feel that this is a modernizing of the city as it builds outwards they ask regarding the playground Hamaguchi says within each sector you've got the difference between rich and poor each plate has its own city while there are some areas within those that are older and beaten up the playground is used to show where those downturned areas that aren't so well off in the city as well they ask about the mako reactor Kutase says up to this point in the opener we've seen the benefits of living with mako it supports people's comfortable lifestyle in the city. But the description here of the maker actor turning on is that it's not all sunshine and rainbows. There's a darker side to it as well. And they ask regarding the appearance of Loveless Street. Megar's entertainment hub, which is notably close to the proximity of reactor number one, because you said the player gets to see how the reactor bombing impacts the city. And we want them to feel conflicted about the effects of their actions. That's why we depicted this area in such detail. And they ask about Shinra headquarters. Hamaguchi says, we didn't want to mess with the outer form of the building because it could really affect people's memories of what Midgar should look like. The inside, though, like the floor structure, has seen major rearranging. It's something that the players will discover when they get inside. Regarding Midgar itself, Hamaguchi says, the core concept we worked on was that the player must be able to experience Midgar for themselves. Each individual location within has distinctive concepts and personalities. There's a different style of gameplay experience waiting for in each one of them. And then lastly, regarding the game's lighting technology, Hamaguchi says, we used new tech to enhance the game's lighting to make the city of Midgar feel as real as possible. A network of over 100 synced PCs do copious physical sim simulations and calculations to work out the exact realistic reflection and how the light, how the lighting beams will bounce off any object in the game. Through doing that, we managed to create amazing atmospheric lighting for the city. A lot of this is referenced in the demo, so if you've not played it, you'll want to check it out to kind of understand what they are talking about in a bit more detail. All right, finally, on this interview special, we've got Tetsura Norma, and he talks about the new details, including story changes, theme song, character designs, and the battle system. It says, first are the details on the song Hollow, which is Remake's theme song. He says, Hollow uses a male lyricist and is rock-themed in order to reflect Cloud's feeling. The song is supposed to invoke rain, and I wanted to avoid changes in the song's image depending on the language. So we recorded an, so we only recorded an English version. The lyrics were written by Nobori Yumematsu, 
And Kasunji, oh my goodness, I'm going to butcher this. Kasunji Nojima, who was really into it. When Nojima wrote the lyrics in Japanese, he titled the song Empty Sky. And when he and when translated the lyrics, the title became Hollow. Then he talks about the very first character redesigned for remake was actually Barrett. He says the amount of realism added to Barrett's design compared to the original design served as a guideline on how much realism to add for remaking the other character's design. As for Red 13, his original design surprisingly already looked quite realistic, so he simply recreated it with more details and didn't change much. In the past, though, he equipped a hair ornament as a weapon, but this time they changed it to it being a collar, so it's more visible. The three Turks members were redesigned by Roberto Ferrari. Since they're all wearing simple suits, we added more details to better express their personalities. And next he talks about um, the character actor in Japanese for Cloud and how it kind of reflected his voice in it. And uh, Normora says, Cloud and Final Fantasy Remake is weird. There are many times when he tries to act cool but fails or acts awkwardly. He gets nervous where most people wouldn't. This might surprise you, as the Cloud and Advent Children was cool. But that's because it was post-Final Fantasy VII Cloud. Plus, there were li- Plus, we were limited, so we focused on emphasizing his cool side. However, in the original game, Cloud had many comical or lame moments. This is what we went for with Remake. I asked Takahiro Sakurai, who voiced Cloud, to reflect that in his acting. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, next, he spoke about the new characters found in Remake. One of the new characters, Soldier 3rd Class Roche, was designed by Roberto Ferrari. Ferrari. Normora says, I didn't give him any particular instructions for Roche's design, How, and Ferrari had already done the first version, so we only changed it a little bit before finalizing it. His first design was a bit too sharp and serious-looking compared to his easygoing personality. There are many other new characters beside Roche, but they mostly appear in side stories rather than the main story. Next, he spoke about the remake's graphic style. It's close to photorealistic style, but it's also different. Many iconic elements of the original were in the deformed style, so the remake uses realisticness in the range of the original's deformed style. That's a (laughs) in quotes for that. Uh, Next, he has comments about the battle system. Normer says, I already mentioned this in the past, but since development began, we redid the battle system many times. Real-time and ATB are inherently opposed, so fusing both necessitated a lot of trial and error. I can't thank the staff enough who persevered and shaped the battle system into what it is now, becoming this challenge and managing to find the right balance. Nomar also mentioned how they included many different battle situations and enemy patterns, including flying enemies and a 3D element. This way, controlling Cloud at all times isn't the most efficient way to handle things, and it'll make players experiment with other characters. He also mentioned that Remake had a lot of mini-bosses to let us fully enjoy the battle system. 
He also spoke about how the battles were incredibly vivid, be it the various effects when using magic or all the battle dialogue. He says, we heavily focused on the game's atmosphere and immersion during battles. Maybe we overdid it when it came to the dialogue during battles, he laughs. Recording everything was pretty difficult. At peak period, we had up to nine recording sessions a week, dividing them between two and three different studios. It might be the game with the most voice lines I've ever worked on. <laughs> Overall, in 20 years of game development, Final Fantasy Remake was probably the most grueling project I've ever worked on. He laughs again. Having the character speak so much during battles was an idea of Matoma Toriyama, the co-director of Final Fantasy Remake. The overall reception of events and from the debug team was very positive, and Nomura is confident in the game. He pointed out how Remake's objective is to both satisfy the old fans and make players who have never experienced the original get why it's so great. Next, he shared the details regarding the scale of Remake's story changes and new events. Nomura says, I know many fans are worried since the Remake's project is in multiple games, and the first game only depicts Midgar. Don't worry. It's a highly dense game, and it doesn't end after just a few hours around the Midgar part in the original. There are many new events in in the main story, like a scene where you end up visiting Jesse's parents and eating dinner. Each member of Avalanche is much more detailed compared to the original game, with new events to boot. By the time players leave Midgar, I'm sure they'll be satisfied. Some content also didn't make it into the final game, and yet it's still on two Blu-ray discs. No more explained the development team prioritized quality over quantity. He says, we made the side quest content as big as the main story. At the beginning, the development team readied even more content, but we wouldn't have been able to do everything without cutting corners, so we prioritized quality. We wouldn't have been able to finish the game otherwise. Despite that, the game is quite big, and there are many places you can visit, and even more moving, now check this out, even more moving around using vehicles at some point. Vehicles, so we already know that the uh, the motorcycles in there. It's gonna be interesting what else he's talking about there. Now we also heard about another iconic scene using Shinra HQ building infiltration scene and how its stairs climbing part was recreated in the remake. <laughs> he says each character climbs the stairs at different speed, and the dialogue changes between on what you do as well. She should try an experiment. That'd be funny. I'm sure, obviously, Cloud's gonna be different than Barrett going up this going up the stairs. And lastly, here's his message for fans and everyone looking forward to remake. No more says the remake will be releasing soon, but it's not like overriding the original Final Fantasy VII. The original game is the source of everything, and thanks to it, we were able to make a new, unique experience. Fans of the original game will have a different, new experience when compared to when they played the original. And I hope those who discover everything with the remake will enjoy it too. This is the first part of the remake, and it's still a full-fledged game. You'll be satisfied after playing it. Once you try out the game, you'll definitely have a hard time putting it back. Please look forward to it. So that's very good stuff. I don't think it really uh, ruined anything, but definitely kind of touched on a few 
little things and little details. I'm d I still can't quite figure out how many parts this game is going to have. I still kind of lean toward it being a three-part game for some reason. Um, that if they're going to flesh out Midgar into a full-fledged game, and why couldn't they do that for the rest of the game? Remember, the original was three discs, so why they couldn't flesh out each of those quote-unquote discs into another game, I don't see why they wouldn't. It seems to me the more games they can produce, the more money they're going to make, especially with this one. So that's a question for another day and honestly for another year as it's going to be a while before this series is wrapped up. Anyway, I hope you have enjoyed these interviews on episode 7 of the Sunday special. Like I said, we try to put these out every Sunday. May not happen... Um, over the next couple of weeks. It depends on how much time I get as I am going on vacation here soon, but I will see what I can do for you guys. Uh, don't forget to give us a like on Facebook. We got a good little community over there. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We have a YouTube page where we do all my live streams and make video versions of the regular podcast, of course. And uh, don't forget if you'd be so inclined to sign up for listener support, the link is at the bottom of this podcast, we would greatly appreciate your support. Tune in every week for more JRPG news on the JRPG Report. My name is James Fisher. Until next time, guys, get back out there and level up.